I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, the host PB. And it's not the PB and Pet show again. We've actually kicked Pet off because he went on holiday and he's not been invited back. And I'm delighted to welcome back Carl. Long-term listeners will remember Carl. Carl the American, who will soon be the enemy for us English listeners in the next couple of weeks. But Carl, great to have you on today. How are you? I'm good. It's, it's great to be back on. It's obviously, I think it's been probably close to a year since I last, uh, yeah, everyone heard my dulcet tones. Um, I'm in the group chat of the, of the, the podcast. I just, uh, I speak from afar and give my opinions from afar. So it's good yeah. to be back on. He gives us all the ideas and then we just, we say them <laughs> normally on a Monday. You see, Pat likes yeah. doing that. He, he steals stuff from, um, the Arsecast and, uh, and Carl as well. So, yeah, nice to nice to have you back on, Carl. I mean, we got the World Cup coming up, so let's start with that very briefly. I know mm-hmm. we'll get back to Arsenal, but obviously the squads have come out for for England and and the US. I think yesterday wasn't it? Yep. And um, Turner, of course, in in the American squad, is he due to to be the starting keeper still? Yeah, it was that was kind of the one major kind of um, amongst uh, US fans, the kind of the kind of uh, the Matt Turner or Zach Steffen, the the city goalkeepers on loan uh, to uh, Middlesbrough this season. Um, but Zach Steffen did a poor form um, who was long, who was basically the, the number one for a long, long time. But our, our manager, Greg Berhalter, uh, didn't even get called up. So Matt Turner is pretty much the um, undisputed number one now, which is good for him. Um from a, a jealous perspective, kind of uh, connecting the dots between Arsenal and the United States, I, I would have liked to have seen Matt play in the um, last night's League Cup fixture as, as mm-hmm. you know, as completely useless of, of a game of, of it was just for him to get one more game prior to the World Cup. But um, obviously ha- happy for for Carl Hine. Um, not because he's named Carl, but just because I think he's been a highly rated goalkeeper in, in the youth system, um, mm. despite his giving away the penalty last night. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wonder if there was any World Cup thought in that selection at all. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. You know, he's played He's played more football than any of our um, – um, um, Sean Johnson is the the, uh, the third goalkeeper who's in MLS, and he wasn't ever really necessarily going to be a uh, – uh, consideration for the starting lineup. So it was either him or Stefan. And basically, I think Stefan's poor form um, 
basically kicked him out, even though he's been playing a lot. So I think it's pretty much a have what you hold scenario for Turner now. Um, he's he's not let us down um, for Arsenal this season. He's basically only really had to show um, shot stopping ability, which is basically all he's going to have to do for uh, for the U.S. against England and uh, and um, if we make it to the next round. So. Mm. Mm. Well, the England squad announced today and, and three Arsenal players in that as well. We've got, uh, of course, Mikhail Saka likely to to feature heavily for the team. Ramsdale probably unlikely to to play at all, but, you know, be there if he's if he's required. And then Ben White, who, you know, not been, I don't think he's played uh, non-friendly for England at all yet. Yeah. So I think his form this season is sort of, made him hard to ignore a bit like the Madison selection for, for Southgate is one that I think with the competition of defenders around him, there would have been big question marks if he wasn't in the squad, I guess. I don't, I don't know how much you, you follow the England national team, Carl, but do oh, you think- yeah, I mean, I, I've, since I've moved here, I've pretty much adopted them as my, uh, as my second team as, as much as the, potential U.S. fans listening would not like to hear that. Um, so I, I obviously do care about the English national team and um, happy for the players that got called up. Obviously, Saka was a no-brainer. Ramsdale is pretty much the number two um, at a push because I think Pickford's been pretty good this season from what I've heard uh, and what I've watched, um, despite his relatively erratic uh, behavior sometimes and short arms. Um, and then I, was, I think Ben basically, you know, played himself I mean he's been one of the best defenders in the league uh fullback um you know which he's basically if you viewed him from the start basically as sort of like a you know an emergency player there but he's basically doing fullback stuff now just just with a bigger frame like he's overlapping he's you know getting a lot of those those penalty area entries stuff like that and he's obviously competent at center back um which i think his versatility is basically makes him a no-brainer um mm. regardless of you know what people's opinion on players who were left out you know tomori's been excellent for milan left out players like that you know i think versatility in the world cup um even though it, it is an, a slightly expanded squad i do think that having just versatility across the back line is essential especially at a high level so yeah and i mean it's hard to know Southgate's preference tends to be a back five. He's included yeah. less defenders in this squad than we've become accustomed to. But if, if he does play a back five, I think with Walker's lack of fitness, unlikely to have him in the first couple of games. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't see another centre-back that looks more suited for that sort of right centre-back role in a five, given the positions White has, has played so well for Arsenal in over the last year. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, there's no warm-up to to get a good idea of what the manager's going to do. But I wouldn't be surprised to see White actually involved in the in the first couple of games. But yeah, it's going to be interesting because there's players like Madison and White not involved in the squad a couple of weeks ago who are now uh, suddenly in there. So I think Southgate's bowed to a bit of media and, and fan pressure a little bit and um, brought some informed players in. So look, yeah, and I think normally Southgate is not the kind of guy who would basically completely throw in a, fl a flyer just for the sake of it. Um, but I do think just the kind of the, the the weird nature of this World Cup, obviously with no warm-up games, basically leads itself to playing players and bringing players who are in form, even if he's, you know, not 100% certain on them. Mm -hmm. um, I think it kind of explains possibly 
even though all his underlying numbers are incredibly good um and he's he actually scored last night for Roma off the bench like I think that's why he I think he said in his press conference why he didn't want to bring Tammy Abraham um just because Cal Wilson's obviously been in an informed forward in a informed team um I do think Abraham's a better player but if it's basically his thinking behind it I can I can legitimize that rather than him bringing in um a player with you know lesser time and then obviously you have free warm-up games which you don't have so i think mm. the, the truncated nature of it and basically just are getting off the plane and, and getting on the pitch immediately is gonna it's kind of makes it a little bit of a weird di- dynamic in terms of squad building yeah i kind of understand that he's gone for form he's gone for form players probably in areas where they're going to come off the bench so you know abraham's not going to start games and if he's not in the best form then is he going to be as effective off the bench as someone like Wilson, who yeah. also isn't going to start a game, but at least he's he's sort of in that uh, groove when he comes off the pitch. Same with Madison, really, in, in the midfield area. Yeah, and I think Wilson kind of what he does for, for Newcastle is kind of just sits in the pedal area and, and generates shots a lot. Um, and if you're basically – Kane's going to play pretty much any minutes that he's, his knees can allow him to um, – and I, I so basically, if you're basically going to bring a player as, as a as a kind of a emergency backup number nine, a player who just is a shot monster and basically will do very little else and allow others to, it's, it makes sense to kind of bring him on as they as a emergency option. Um, so. mm. Yeah. Well, um, we'll podcast at some point during the World Cup, and uh, yeah, I think you've got a good chance of at least qualifying from the group with with one of the two teams that you're you're rooting for somewhat, Carl. Um, it'd be yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty disastrous if we both go out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think geopolitics would allow me to support Iran. Um, I would, I would be, I would be, you know, cool with with Wales getting through as well. But I, you know, I just, I just think they're just kind of in the happy to be there stage. Um, mm. So, yeah. Well, there we go. I mean, just to note some other Arsenal players that have been confirmed in the World Cup squads. We had Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Martinelli both in the squad. Um, Gabriel, our centre-back, our third Gabby, missing out. Uh, William Saliba in the French squad. Granit Xhaka in the Swiss. Obviously, Matt Turner we talked about. Tommy Asu in the Japanese squad. And Partey widely expected to be in the Ghana squad as well. So, you know, decent representation for Arsenal. But I think fair to say we've got a few players as well who will get a bit of an opportunity to rest their legs. You know, Erdegaard, um, obviously Tierney, their nation's not in the um in the world cup same applies for zinchenko and of course gabriel and some other players so i think it's been talk of arsenal the players not going to the world cup sort of doing a training camp in dubai and having a couple of friendlies before the the season kicks off again but we've got some football still to play at the weekend um and we played some football since we last spoke i just want to it's quite some time since the chelsea game but we haven't we haven't podcast about it and uh, it's definitely more positive than, than the game last night. And certainly because it wasn't streamed or broadcast anywhere. I think we know a lot more about the Chelsea game. So I wanted to chat to you a bit about that game, Carl, because yeah, I mean, listeners to the podcast and you, you in the, in the podcast chat will know that I'm always quite nervous for away games. I feel we, we sometimes show our quality and dominance in spells, but I think very rarely for the duration of games. And I would say that's the case against even top half sort of teams, let alone a team like Chelsea. And 
I know they're not in their best place and they've, they've got a lot of injuries at the moment, but I was really impressed with how we played like a top of table team there and sort of made them feel like really inferior to us and sort of showed that in every way, even though it was only one nil. I mean, did yeah, you it, get that sense was, as well? Normally, like, I mean, I, I'm sort of the glass half empty person when it comes to, to any big game, really. I would, I, I love a home banker. Basically I don't like playing in the big games just cause I, then, you know, as, as a fan, the nerves are, are, are palpable there. But mm. in terms of like a big match, even though Chelsea, like you said, are not in great form, I, I've never felt as comfortable throughout the entire 90 minutes, even though, like you said, it was only one nil. We basically went to Stamford Bridge and basically killed the game from the off in terms of allowing Chelsea to get any kind of footholds. Even when they made the subs, like I don't think the subs they, 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 they brought on were you know stellar in terms of what they did but normally you get some sort of energy bounce from making substitutions and even then we basically just ha- held them at arm's length um which is something that you know rarely even the top teams like city will even have moments where smaller teams are or other teams in big games kind of have a little bit of a 15 minute pulse um but you know there wasn't really any moments throughout that game where i didn't think that we would score the goal to to win the game and basically keep it comfortable um and that's sort of a from looking at it from a kind of a tactical perspective like the on ball stuff we're basically and it's something that i've been trying to highlight a, a while is basically what we needed to improve under arteta was we'd basically have we take we get the lead in games and then basically you know sit off and basically not you know basically not care about keeping the ball and that's something that we did uh you know, second half, we scored the goal off, off a corner. And then we basically just kind of killed the game with possession and, you know, gamesmanship. You know, the, the Xhaka thing at the end was was him slightly shithousing, but also knowing that he needed to kill the game off in, uh, mm. in an area that way. And that was something that was really impressive, you know, especially considering, you know, this is a really, really young team. Um, but I think the added experience of players like um, the newfound kind of form of Xhaka, Zinchenko coming into the team, Gabriel Jesus, players who have been there, done that, I think has really been a, um, a huge thing that we, we saw from that Chelsea game. Yeah, I think you felt that experience from those players. And I think well, one player who who doesn't have a huge amount of experience or in terms of games or age, but plays like he's got 10 years at the very top under his belt is William Saliba. I mean, yeah. He did have one moment in the game where he sort of uh, miskicked it that, that could have led to a goal. But, I mean, apart from that that very small moment, he was sensational. And, and Carl, I'm mindful you haven't been on since we've seen Saliba in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, what, what are your thoughts on him and, and how he's settling into this it's, team? It's it's really rare that you see a player like that. You said at that age, you know, he's played he's played pretty high level, you know, playing in Liga for a while since he was 17, 18. Um, but it's rare to come and see a player basically just jump into the the Premier League that and basically look like he's, you know, he's been there for 20, like you said, 10 years or whatever. Um, and I think you can even see it when you see close-ups of him in the game from the camera angles. Like, he just has, he's completely stone-faced. Nothing ever, you know, seems to bother him. He's not, you know lunging into tackles unnecessarily he's covering ground for the he's just i mean you know it's kind of the old you know classic he's a rolls royce defender and i think it's pretty much the perfect description of him he's um on the ball off the ball he pretty much has it all um and you know i'm just 
looking forward to seeing how much better he can get because he's only 21 and I can only imagine him when he's, you know, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And like, you know, that was kind of the thing that I think um, last season when we didn't have Saliba there, um, Gabriel had, uh, on the other side, who's obviously been exceptional as well, has those kind of moments. And we've seen them this year where he has a little bit erratic. Um, and even though he's young, Saliba is pretty much marshalling that back four, even without not, he doesn't seem like he's most necessarily the most vocal of defenders um, just by his, you know, sheer ability and sheer calm calmness on the ball and uh, in the tackle. So, mm, yeah, yeah. Sensational play. I mean, let's hope when he's 25, 26, he's, he's still with us. I mean, the, the noises yeah, around a contract are quite good yeah. at the moment, but um, he's going to, he's likely to start for France, I think in the world cup from what I'm, from what I read, yeah, I think there there was talk about them playing like a a back three. Um, I think they're gonna kind of move into the same sort of um back four that they played, kind of a four two three one with um, you know, the two players up top and one underneath. Um, I do think they're gonna kind of move back into that, but I still think that he would probably get into the team regardless of if they have three center backs or two. I just think, I mean, just based off this season form it would be a from my completely unbiased opinion i think it'd be you know pretty much the, the perfect player to play mm. and what's your view generally on sort of arsenal players at this world cup because i think some of us some of us yeah. want people to play and impress some of us are scared for them to play and make mistakes or play and get injured i mean would you where do you see yeah, that? I'm going to see it both ways because I, I think the players that are not going, I think I'm happy that players, like, even though obviously you, you want to see them playing at the World Cup just for their own sake, like Zinchenko and Tierney, you know, very injury prone. You're basically happy that they're going to be getting the month off during this period. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I would like to see Saka give it a rest, but I, I think uh, FIFA recognize in the quality referees will probably give fouls that they're not giving against Saka in the Premier League. Mm. Um, so his, his durability there, but you know, it's sort of like a, a double-edged sword is, you know, you want to see them playing at the highest level, but also you want to protect them for the second half. Um, if we, during the January transfer window, we actually strengthen and bring in players. Cause I do think we need probably three players throughout the squad. I know that the, the kind of the, the general, vibe from Arteta is they're probably not going to do any business at all unless there's a significant need. I do think we probably need some kind of cover for those players. Um, so if I knew ahead of time that we were going to bring in cover for for players uh, in January, I would be a lot more comfortable. Mm. Um, but I'll probably just be watching every game with my fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Another player that um, we haven't spoke about since since he joined and had an electric start to the Arsenal career is in a goal drought at the moment, um, but playing bar maybe one or two games playing re- really well still. Obviously you're the, you're the stats man, Carl. Mm-hmm. What's your take on sort of the, the Gabriel Jesus current droughts? Because I think he, particularly in preseason anyway, was sort of scoring at an unsustainable rate, despite playing very well, he was sort of scoring everything that he touched. And now he's sort of gone the other way. Um, do you do you see this as one that will equal out again, or is this a player that you have any concerns about in front of goal? Yeah, no, I I do think that um, 
pretty much his ghost numbers, expect, expected numbers are all pretty are stellar. I mean, he's the 93rd percentile for XG per 90. Uh, he's generating about three and a half shots per 90. He's getting about 12 touches in the box. Um, and he's doing a lot of the kind of the off the ball stuff, which I think is kind of the reason why he's been such a important part of the team now is that was kind of the thing that we, we saw with Lacazette and his defenders. Um, I was actually one of them. I don't think Lacazette was, was as terrible as many people thought it was, but I do think we kind of, the, the thing that people talked about him with him a lot was how good his holdup play is. But I think just watching Gabriel Jesus play, it's pretty much like, Oh, this is what actual holdup play looks like. Um, and I do think his ability to bring others into play while, um, you know, Saka Martinelli are pretty much the guys who run in behind. Uh, and he kind of, you know, drops off and does his, his, his forward stuff. Um, I do think that he's, been pretty I mean he's been the best forward in the league who's not scoring tons and tons of goals um I I did it kind of mischievously I kind of compared him to Harry Kane and Harry Kane looks like you know a a nobody compared to him in terms of his underlying numbers Mm. um and I do think that just by the sheer you know the the classic uh analytics kind of take of reversion to the mean his mean this season has been pretty pretty sensational so I do think that the the actual numbers in terms of output will um, will kind of catch up with them in a, in a positive way. Mm, good to hear. Yeah, good to hear. I mean, I think everyone agrees he was he was brilliant against Chelsea, and yeah. um, you know the corner that we scored from was sort of all created from him winning the ball back and then forcing the corner from a save yeah, as well. It's, so. it's sort of funny because he's you know I call them associated forwards where he basically thrives in scenarios where he's getting as many touches on the ball as possible. Um, you know, Mitrovic is, is, is the opposite, you know, the target man who basically just wants the ball in goal scoring areas. But I think he had, I think he had 80 plus touches against Chelsea. Um, and mm. they were all positive contributions. It wasn't just him showing for the ball in needless areas. A lot of them were, you know, linking up play with, you know, uh, the, the center backs, you know, combining with, with party when he dropped off players like that. Um, and you kind of compare it to what we had on the other side of the pitch, Aubameyang, you had, mm. I, I know basically looking at raw touch numbers isn't necessarily the most indicative of a player. Um, but you look at basically a lot of our problems with Aubameyang was he just did nothing off the ball. And we had a lot of problems in those kind of periods where we were struggling with him on the pitch where just cause he, we had nothing up front because he was just, you know, not hiding, but he just wasn't providing anything. I think Jesus is, He's willing to basically, even if he makes a mistake with his touch or whatever, which is rare, um, he's always in positions that you want a center forward to kind of link up and, you know, help out with the play. Um, yeah. So needless to say, I think he's been sensational for us. Yeah. I mean, as you say, completely polarizing from from the forward we had last year and that, of course, was playing against us in the game on Sunday. I think everyone had sort of, resigned themselves to the fact that he would score and we probably needed to score two or more, but um, it was great to see him hauled off after what, 60 minutes or so after failing. Yeah, right to, after, pretty much right after the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Failing to do anything of note really. But um, this episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owners, racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, 
Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Last sort of comment on the, the Chelsea game and sort of tactical view that, that I'm interested from you on is, is Zinchenko. I mean, I think that's Arteta's strongest and favourite lineup, quite clearly, yeah. that he put out against Chelsea. But many people sort of raised eyebrows at Zinchenko coming straight back into that team against Chelsea, given given the injury he'd had. Um, and Tierney had sort of been filling in in the Europa League, building up fitness. A lot of people thought that Tierney would keep his place for that game. I mean, how do you see that situation left back? Because it seems that Arteta clearly wants someone who's who's comfortable with both feet, really, or at least playing more inside the pitch. You know, he used Tommy Asu in a lot of the Premier League games when Zinchenko is out. So do you see that as a key part of how Arteta's setting up this team? Yeah, I think I, I do think Zinchenko is probably just for the, the sheer fact of how we like to build and play. I do think Zinchenko is probably, probably the best option there. Um, it might be game specific because I think Tyranny is uh, it's obviously really good with the space in front of him. Um, but I think the kind of the, the reason why Zinchenko worked so well against Chelsea is he basically um, the way that we built with, with, with Zinchenko inside, it was a pretty narrow back four. And what that did is basically overloaded Chelsea's press a lot of times. So he's basically half the times he was receiving, he was receiving in between lines um, past the first line of pressure in central areas, which is not Tyranny's game at all. Um, so, you know, I think there's going to be more times in throughout the, um, the season where we're basically going to be, be needing to rely on uh, Zinchenko's strengths in possession rather than just the sheer defensive quality that Tyranny has um, mm. and sort of more transitional quality, I would say. Um, mm. So it would be game specific, specific if it's basically a game where um, just I can't think of any uh, team styles off the top of my head, but basically games where we know that, you know, we're going to have a lot of, of space to in, exploit it behind and kind of need, need to be a little bit more um, direct in their, our, our approach to that. I think uh, tyranny is an option, um, but games like for Chelsea, we're, we're, we're going to try to look to dominate possession and we know, you know, how Chelsea play. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a, good, it's a very, it's a very good problem to have, you know, going mm. from, you look at our, and our, we basically. and Nuno, wasn't it? Yeah. Jack, and then, you know, I think we played Cedric a couple of times at left back. Mm. Who, I think the, the Cedric um, Claxon has gone off on this podcast, which, <laughs> Even though JB's not here, I think it's uh, he always lives in our minds. Mm, yeah, I mean, um, what I'd be quite interested in is if he, he never gets injured. But if Xhaka was injured, whether because there was a lot of talk where Zinchenko would play when he arrived, and we've seen him exclusively. I mean, yeah. I say left back, but you know, he's he's playing there at the start. He's, but we know he tucks yeah, in. He's kind of doing that role that Xhaka uh, Xhaka did for us yeah. when he was playing back, except he's you know he's lining up left back rather than playing mm. there on paper um so. but we know he can play he sort of played in a more playmaker uh, advanced role for his country mm -hmm. and i guess i think it's fair to say arteta doesn't have the most trust in look on going at least until we potentially sign another center midfielder in january if we do if shaka were to get an injury i'd be interested you know if tierney and zinchenko were to be fit, whether we would see potentially both of them, because I mean, 
if he doesn't trust Lukonga, I don't think Vieira's done enough yet, really, to no. to start games in that position. So, you know, it, as you said, it's a good problem to have. There could yeah. be situations where both of them are on the pitch as well. Given, yeah, I think I think would require. I think our our principles that we that Arteta obviously, you know, whatever the non negotiables that buzzword he uses a lot. Um, I think those would pretty much stay the same. Just the way we got to you know progressing the ball would, would change like the Chelsea thing I talked about with overloading the press was obviously very game specific and that's something I think Arteta has done a better job of doing since we've brought in kind of an overall um, better quality of player is he's been more adaptive in terms of how he's setting up rather than just kind of consistently looking to play out the same way mm. um, I do think that it was a kind of an enforced change of you know Jaka gets injured Zinchenko has to play in midfield um, I do think that, you know, he would, you know, we've shown our ability to kind of get beyond those kind of issues and, um, you know, get from point A to point B um, just with a kind of different route. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, that was the Chelsea game. I, we'll touch very quickly on on last night's 3-1 loss to Brighton. Of course, we took the lead through Eddie and Ketia, well-taken goal, uh, Reese Nelson assist, then sort of collapsed a bit in the second half. Um, after Welbeck's penalty, after young Kohlhein took him took him down. Um, but I think, I mean, we did make some stronger substitutions, Carl, in the second half, but it, they weren't as sort of desperate as what we saw against PSV away from home, where when we fell behind Arteta, sort of was straight to Partey and yeah. Zeus and stuff, straight away coming on. I mean, I don't think Arteta... I think Arteta does genuinely really want to win every game. But yeah. when I saw that lineup, 10 changes was was definitely more than I was expecting. Not only that, you know, third choice keeper, we talked about Hein rather than Turner. Yeah. You know, probably third choice at right back with Cedric rather than, I know Tommy Asu's injured, but there's other things we could have done there. It's definitely the weakest team he's put out all season. And, and I know we were at home, but Brighton are a stronger team than some of the Europa League teams we've played, aren't they? So, I mean, how bothered are you by the exit and, and sort of that competition? And do you feel Arteta will, will care too much about this? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I basically, when I found out the game wasn't going to be broadcast anywhere, I wasn't exactly that, um, that peeved about it, shall we say. Um, Mm. So when we eventually, you know, lost, I mean, I'm, it's for the greater good, not like we ba- we threw the game, because I think by the way that Arteta tried to manage the game when we went down 2-1 um, and basically throwing on a lot of heavy hitters, I do think that he basically really wanted to win that game um, just because he's, you know, he's a, you know, he's a manager who wants to win a lot. You know, he's not going to sit there and, you know, throw a game like like Sir Alex used to do. Yeah. In certain but I, I think if he really wanted to win, Partey would be getting on. Yeah, I, and... I, think, I think it was sort of like him like not like half trying but basically like once the game he was like well i had these guys on the bench so i might as well put it on it wasn't like a necessarily from the start he wasn't like we have to win this game and i'm gonna bring these guys on to you know yeah and maybe learn a bit from the psv game where he did sort of throw everyone on and we lost anyway yeah and Mm. i ultimately ultimately you know there's we're we're in such a good position now where it's sort of like you know, we could possibly win the league in, in hushed tones and we, you know, we could get into the Champions League. So I do think um, it's like the reverse Unai Emery, what he did for us when we were basically in the in the um, 
Europa League, where he basically threw the league for the Europa League. It's mm. you know the, to a less um, a much lesser extent because, I mean, I, I you know the fact that I I probably I've only seen the goals from last night kind of tells a lot about what most fans feel yeah. about the league. Especially, it's just a, and then I think as well if you look at if the fixtures what I read was right basically two days after the World Cup final we'd be playing that next round. So it's just madness to, you know, it's borderline malpractice. So we basically just played a strong lineup and tried to win every game like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's one of those that you either want to go out in the first round or win it. Uh, anything else, like what happened last season, losing a two legged semi final against Liverpool is like the worst thing that can possibly happen. Yeah, because you, you know, you've wasted. Yeah, so if, we, if we had basically started, gone through to the, you know, the final basically playing. I think we did that in 2007 when we had like, um, we, we played Chelsea in the final. We yeah. basically played like the worst team possible and just like a happy bonus. We we ended up playing in the final. Mm. And even then we still played a weak team against Chelsea's, you know, Mourinho's first team. Um, so I do think it was sort of like, yeah, you know, if you lose playing your kids, who cares? Um, yeah. It's better that than, you know, try to manage and, you know, bring in, you know, have like a half, a half and half job. So. Yeah, and I mean, we saw it across the league, didn't we? Some some big teams were out. Um, Chelsea, obviously. Every, every London team, apart from like Charlton or something like that, um, which is, you know, I've never even heard of them. So. Yeah, I mean... I thought, I, I thought it was Charlton at first, but then it wasn't Charlton, so... <laughs> Tottenham played their near strongest team. I think they only made two changes from the weekend and, and they still lost to a heavily rotated Forest side, so... You know, yeah, there's no guarantees if you play your tired, tight, more tired first team players that you win the game anyway. It, it feels like a competition the whole league could do without. I saw quite a good suggestion on Twitter. Someone say it feels like a competition the European clubs shouldn't play in, and I think that would be that would make it much more interesting because then you'd have everyone in it sort of really actually trying their best to win the games. Um, yeah. Because all the European teams, apart from City. And United playing tonight are out, I think. Aren't they? Oh, Liverpool went through on penalties, but you know, yeah, against Derby at home and and Derby drew with Torquay, a local team um, not far from me, who are sort of sixth or seventh tier or something crazy at the weekend. So that tells you all you need to know at the competition. Yeah, I, I honestly thought I, before this week I completely forgot that the League Cup was going on this season. I thought they had cancelled it because of the World Cup. Um, mm. I mean, yeah. not to, well, we not can pretend up. that has happened now because we don't need yeah, to know about it. Considering I, no one was able to watch it, so it didn't happen. So, yeah, it, it tells you a lot that I felt happy really at the end of the night because it was just another trophy that Tottenham can't possibly win and probably the only one that they had a good chance of winning. So, there you go. Um, I want to chat quickly about your thoughts on that uh, word that we haven't really said on this podcast yet, but I think after beating Chelsea away, remaining top of the league, I mean, what are your thoughts on the, the title talk, Carl? Do you, are you even daring to dream about it at all? Um, I mean, I, I wish I could say I hadn't. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to kind of look at 14 games top of the league against this, you know, juggernaut team with a cyborg up front and basically not be confident that, the season's going to have some sort of happy ending. Um, you know, it's just sort of like the, the caveat with the World Cup in the middle and then the transfer window, et cetera. Um, mm. 
I think our odds of winning it are probably like this. I mean, I'm I'm not a book bookmaker. And I, I hate betting, but I'm I probably say probably like twenty percent. Which, if you'd give me those odds at the start of the season, I would say I, I would snap your hand off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anything less than top two would be a disappointment. Um, just from the way we started and um how we're doing. I know everyone, Gary Neville especially, is just hoping we collapse. Um, but I think that we've we've kind of every big test we've basically faced, we've come through apart from um I guess the United game, which, you know, it's not like it's not like United are actually a team that are, you know, competing with us at this point. Um so yeah, I you know, I'm whatever comes, I'll be happy. You know, if we if we finish in the top top two i'll be over the moon if we win the league i'll be completely you know i won't be sober for a, a long long time so mm. yeah definitely i mean it, it's just a shame the city city team and harland do exist yeah, doesn't it but there, it, like it, every week it's, it, it's it's you know it's hard to not be like annoyed by every time you play on a sunday because we've been playing sundays for obviously because of the europa league you know, city win on the weekend and then they're, you know, a point ahead of us. And then we have to win again to, you know, it's just, it's a, that annoying kind of pressure um, that they're inevitably going to put up on us. And it's, it's sort of like, you know, mm. as soon as, as soon as we slip up, you know, I don't expect them to slip up as, uh, as much as we would possibly be. Yeah. I think it's quite good in a way that we're aligning ourselves with them though. I think I said, five or six weeks ago on this podcast that I, I felt we had no chance for the title, but yeah. if we can stay toe to toe with them so that we react, you know, because I do think if, if city hadn't won or say we would, you know, detached from city in the league, we'd probably all be going to Chelsea thinking a point would be all right. And that might put us on the back foot a little yeah. bit, and then we might end up losing the game or drawing the game. And, yeah, I just don't think this Arsenal team go go there with that much confidence, authority, and, and win that game if we're not looking up. So, the longer we do that, that you know, the more yeah. distance we put between ourselves and yeah. and the other teams. That can only be good. But I have to say, this was the first week that when I saw you know Man City narrowly won, scored right at the end, that I was a bit gutted. Yeah, when when I seen the win every other week, I. I was just telling myself that we're not going to be anywhere near them, but when they scored right at the end, it was the first time I felt, well, oh, that would have been annoying because, you know, we could have gone to what? Four, four points would have been four or five points. So yeah, or two points ahead of them now. So yeah, but there we go. I mean, we're still top one more game to come with Wolves at the weekend. Confident for that one. Yeah. I mean, I think Wolves have scored, eight goals all season. So, I mean, they're probably, you know, knowing that they're going to, you know, absolutely get all their goals tomorrow, um, this weekend. But I, I just think that, you know, the way we've been, like, like we mentioned, basically controlling teams, uh, a team who is unable to kind of generate any sort of attack themselves. I think that that suits us heavily. Um, and, you know, they've had a week to, to work under the new, the new manager, Lopetegui. Um, but I just think that the, you know, that the bringing, bringing him him in will basically be a, a bounce after the World Cup when he's had more time on the training pitch. Um, so, yeah, fairly confident. Definitely feels like one will dominate. I mean, they got some quick players to potentially hurt us on the break, but um, yeah, I feel fairly confident as well. I guess my only fear is what the three red cards we've had in the last three games at Molyneux mm-hmm. in the league. I think we had that that game where Louise and Leno were off, and obviously Martinelli. Yeah. 
with the two yellows more recently. So yeah, well, the one, every time we go to Molyneux, the referees make up make up a new rule that they implemented, which has never since been used. So yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. I mean, it's been it's been brief, but um, great to catch up with you, Carl. We'll definitely look to have you on um, because I think the transfer rumors are going to start going in overdrive over the World Cup period as well. So it'll be good to. Yep. To get your knowledge on some of our targets, the likes of Mudrick and Danilo from Palmeiras have been heavily linked this week. So yep. we'll keep you up to date on the podcast and on the website, fresharsenal.com. You've been listening to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. You can follow us at Fresh Arsenal Pod. I've been your host, PB, at Ollie Price Bates. And Carl, remind us of your, your at. At Carlin Carpenter, C-A-R-L-O-N Carpenter. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next one. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.